0: Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. Today's Palm Sunday. Okay. <laughs> and, and so let's just talk about that for just a moment. Because Palm Sunday represents the beginning of what is referred to as Holy Week. Now I realize, depending on how you've grown up in what church, or, or if you've never grown up in church, or what denomination, this whole idea of Holy Week, you're like, what? What do you mean Holy Week? Oh, you're just like, I can't wait for Easter because I'm going to get to... Find some Easter eggs and the Easter bunny's coming and we're going to dress up for church. But there's a whole lot here that I want you to think about today. This week represents all that played out in the week leading up to Jesus our Savior going to the cross. And friends, one week from today we're going to gather in this gym and we're going to celebrate that Jesus Christ our Lord has risen from the grave and it is going to be really awesome. And so I, I, just, I want you to be prayerful this week as you begin to think about and contemplate what has been accomplished on your behalf and on my behalf. Our Savior, Jesus, He gave His life. He took on the weight of all of our sin, all of it. And we celebrate that He's our King. And we, we understand through what we're going to look at today and next week that it is only in and through Jesus Christ, in Christ alone, that we can be forgiven that we can be forever changed. So here's what happens in most churches on Palm Sunday. Almost every church in the United States of America and evangelical churches worldwide, they're going to go to a text in one of the Gospels called the Triumphal Entry. And so this account is in all four books of the the Gospel. It's in the story, the Triumphal Entry is in the book of Matthew, it's in the book of Mark, it's in the book of, Man, my brain, have you ever done that? It's like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Come on, I'm a preacher. That just happened. The book of Matthew, the book of Mark, the book of Luke, and the book of John. Wow, okay. But what I want to do today is look at the account of the triumphal entry from the book of Luke. And let me tell you why. So if you brought a Bible today, I want you to go ahead and open it up with me to Luke chapter 19. We'll, be, we'll begin today in verse 28, Luke chapter 19, verse 28. If you use your Bible on your tablet, your phone, whatever, do that. Go there. But here's what I want you to realize, a couple of unique and very different things about this account in the Gospel of Luke. Thing number one is this, this, this triumphal entry, what we call Palm Sunday. Only in the book of Luke, th- there is absolutely no reference to the palm branches being waved. I'm like, what? In all the other accounts, we see the palm branches. And, you know, if, if, if you have these memories as a child, you might have at one point on a Palm Sunday been like, oh, we're going to wave, you know, the palm branches. But we don't see that referenced in the book of Luke. I, I'm not sure why. It, it's not there, though. Now, most people would say that when you read the gospel of Luke, he is the most descriptive out of all the gospel accounts. But for whatever reason, it's not there. No palm branches in the book of Luke. The other significant thing, which is really why I selected this passage today, is very interesting to me. No other gospels do record this, only in the book of Luke. Luke writes that as Jesus approached and as Jesus looked at the city... The Bible says he wept. The Bible says Jesus cried only in the Gospel of Luke. Now, let's just take a time out. If you've been at Hope very long, you know that there are some of you in this room have given me a hard time. Oh, Kent, he's the crying preacher, you know. (laughs) See? Some of you are like, yeah, that brother cries a little too often. And listen... I, I do. I get emotional, I feel like, at the drop of a hat. And I'm, I'm just going to own that. I'm owning it, okay? I, here's what I want to say, too. I don't understand the science behind crying. I actually was going to research that this week, and about after 10 minutes of research, I'm like, forget that. Just forget that. Because it is all over the board what, what people believe as to why we cry, So this sermon is not that. Not going there. I'm not telling you about the science of crying today. That's that's not going to happen. But here's what I also know. Because some of you are a bit like me, You're, you're, you're a little bit emotional maybe even today. And just the fact that you have in the last 60 seconds heard me say we're talking about crying and Jesus wept. Just me talking about that, you're like, you know, it's coming up in you. Your your emotional God made you that way. You might might be crying right now, anticipating, where are we going with this sermon today? Now, some of you are the polar opposite of that. You are strong-willed. You're not going to cry. You have already told yourself multiple times, why would I do that? Your, your defense mechanism oftentimes will kick in, and so you just reject the idea of crying. There are going to be no tears for you. That's who you are. And then I would say this. There, there are probably a few of you, maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen of you. Your eyes are dry today. Your eyes are dry right now. And that is only because you have cried yourself dry there is still pain in your life there are reasons that you feel like you should be weeping however you have no more tears to cry so so you're like bro where are you going with this here's what i'm going to ask you to consider on this palm sunday what is going on with jesus christ What is going on with our Messiah, with our Savior, with our Lord, when what the Bible says is the triumphal entry? The truth is it could also be tagged the tearful entry. And so we must read this together. Luke chapter 19 beginning in verse 28. Look with me. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. So untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. And so those who were sent ahead went and they found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, "'Why are you untying the colt?' And they replied, "'The Lord needs it.'" And so they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks, their their coats, on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. And as they went along, people then began to spread their cloaks, their coats, on the ground. And when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives... The whole crowd of disciples, they begin joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all of the miracles they had seen. And look at what they said. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Many of the accounts of the gospel say they were shouting, Hosanna, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher Rebuke your disciples. And look what Jesus said. I tell you, I tell you, if they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. Which, by the way, side note, if you're here today with a hardened heart, that's a good word for you. It's a really good word for you. If they keep quiet, Jesus says, even the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, here it is. He wept over it. And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Jesus continued, The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you. And encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you do not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And then when Jesus entered the temple courts, Scripture says he began to drive out those who were selling. And he said, it is written, My house will be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of robbers. And every day he was teaching at the temple. But the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. So think about the truth in this Bible text. Here's Jesus. He's making what we call the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. The the crowds are celebrating. They're cheering. They're having a great time. They're pumped. They're laughing. But yet what do we see the gospel account of Luke say that Jesus is doing? As Jesus enters the city, he sees the city And in the midst of the celebration, he starts crying. Here's this crowd of people and they're worked up into a frenzy. The crowd is rejoicing, but Jesus, our Savior, is sobbing. And I just have to step back and I think all of us have to, on this Palm Sunday, ask the question, why? Why did Jesus weep? When he saw Jerusalem. I think there are multiple answers to this question. First of all. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Being the son of God. I believe that in this moment. Jesus realizes that these fickle people. Who are crying out Hosanna. Who are cheering him on and celebrating him. He knows That in just a few days, the same group of people were going to be shouting, crucify him. It's overwhelming. Consider what else Jesus knew. He knew that one of the twelve, one of the hand-picked disciples, Judas, would be the one that week who would betray him. He knew that another disciple who he loved so much, Peter, would deny him. He knew what was about to play out. He knew that the high priest was going to conspire with Pilate, this Roman governor. And the two of them would be the ones to bring about the crucifixion of a savior. And then, of course, he knew the future of Jerusalem. He knew that 40 years from that time, that destruction would come to the city at the hands of the Romans. Y'all, think about what Jesus is processing as he comes into the city. Were there other reasons for his crying? I have to believe there were. He was fully God, yet he was fully human. And I believe the reality of all of that, plus the weight of knowing that his earthly ministry was about to come to an end. It was all coming to an end. He knew that time was short. And I have to believe he he thought about all the people who who had been healed, the sick people who had been healed, those who had been raised from the dead, the, the lepers who had been cleansed, the hungry who had been fed, the sins of people that had been forgiven. Yet, in all of that, all of that, church, for the most part, he still was rejected. He still was rejected. Look at the text, John chapter 1, verse 11. And he came, Jesus came to his own people, and his own did not receive him. And so he wept. And all of this broke the heart of our Savior, and it still does today, because, listen to me, unbelief and rejection, unbelief and rejection still breaks the heart of God. Why? Because he knows the consequences for his people who reject him. When the door of the human heart is shut, when the door of the human heart is shut, when, when your heart is shut, Christ refuses to enter your life forcibly. That's not how it works. He will only knock waiting for you to give him admittance into your life. And so as we process all this, I want to ask you to do three things this week. Three takeaways out of Palm Sunday to help you reflect on the significance of what this Holy Week is all about. Would you be willing this week to do this with me? Number one, I'm just asking you this week to focus on the cross. Would you focus on the cross like like for real focus on the cross? Look at Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. You cannot embrace the truth of the gospel. You cannot help but look at the cross and be overwhelmed by what God accomplished on our behalf through his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know how you do it. It's going to be different for every person. For every one of you over here in the middle, it's different for all of us. For some of you this week, it could be something as simple as you carving out the time to this week, watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Maybe that's what will help you refocus on the cross. For some of you, this could be the week you actually ask your boss if you could take one day off work just just to have a personal day, not to catch up on yard work, not to do odd things around the house. No, no but for you to be alone with God. To be alone with God. If not this week, when? Focus this week on the cross and what Christ has accomplished in your place. Number two, I want you to simply answer this question. Perhaps you can answer it now. Perhaps you have to think about it for a while. Who do you follow? Who do you follow? One of the reasons... Jesus wept. Think about this. One of the reasons he wept was because he knew the very same people who celebrated his arrival in the city were the same people who would shout out crucify him. And so, at the end of the day, are we really are we really all that much different? Is it obvious to your family who you follow? Is it obvious to your closest friends who you follow? Are you a follower of Christ only when it's convenient? Or are you fully surrendered to Him? Look at Matthew 16, 24 and 25. And then Jesus said to His disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And then truth number three, I want to encourage you in the text that we've read today. Look at truth number three. It is only God who can wipe away your tears. It's only God. For, For me knowing that my Savior, Jesus Christ, wept like I do. Knowing that he experienced sorrow and grief and disappointment, it, it's hard for me to understand, and it is absolutely beautiful all at the same time. And so please hear my heart. I believe there are people in the room right now. God brought you here to this gym today to hear this. For many of you in this gym today your heart has been pierced. When I talk about the tears and the sorrow, you get it. It could be relationally marriage is very difficult. Perhaps you've gone through a season or you're in a season where you are you feel like you're at the very end of the rope. And your heart has been pierced. And you think about what could have been. And things don't look like you desire them to look. Dreams that didn't come true. Promises that have not been kept. And our hearts are burdened with the weights of life. For some of you, it's not your marriage, but it it could be your family. Some of you are parenting babies and toddlers. And you're in a season where you don't actually know if you can make it another week. You're overwhelmed, you're stressed, and it is hard. Some of you are parenting teenagers. (laughs) And some of you are parenting adult children. And no matter where we find ourselves, it's hard, isn't it? And things are said that pierce the heart at times, sometimes by moms and dads, and we wish we could take back the words. And sometimes it comes from our children, and they say them, yet they probably don't really mean them, and they regret it. And your heart is pierced. And it's all these burdens, and it's the weight of life, and there's fear, and there's change, and there's uncertainty. And then my precious single friends in this room, you're like, bro, I can't even have the problem of the spouse or the children because God has not brought someone into my life yet. And that is real, and your heart is pierced, and you don't understand. And all I'm saying is, we've all wept. And so when I see my Savior, Jesus Christ, Weeping over an entire city for many reasons, but because he sees so many broken people. I had to take you to this promise today. Look at it. It will comfort you and it will bring you hope. Look at Revelation 21. Oftentimes, I feel like as a pastor, I I hold this back to only share at funerals, at memorial services. But many of you need this just today. And the promise is this, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When you read this text in the book of Revelation, the Bible's talking about there's going to be a day when all things are going to be made new. And in those days, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, and there shall be no more sorrow, and there shall be no more crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And I cannot speak for you, dear friends, but I look forward to that day. I look forward to that day. And if Jesus has transformed my life, how can I not think about people around me who don't even know about this day? And so there are two groups of people right now in this gym. Group number one are people who are right now, you're trying to figure out, what does it mean to follow Jesus? How can I surrender my life to Him? Could I possibly go through the baptismal waters like these three that we've seen today? Could I actually answer that question? When we're asked, have you given your life to Christ? Do you promise to... You're processing all that, and the answer to that is yes. In faith, you can. You can. As you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and quit leaning on your own understanding, you can say yes to Jesus. Some of you are there. You're processing, am I ready to follow Christ Some of you just need to be encouraged this day to cling to the promises of God's holy word. In your season of pain, in your season of sorrow, look to your Savior and take comfort in knowing that he too understands everything you face. And yet he promises to heal you, to comfort you, to give you a peace that passes all understanding. But you have to be willing to trust him. Surrender your life to Him. Listen to me. We're beginning this journey, Holy Week, starting today with Palm Sunday. Don't do this week like the way you've probably done this week for most of your life. Find time to focus on the journey of Christ this week. If you can join us this Friday night, for this Good Friday communion, it will be so intimate. Please join us. It will help you focus on the cross and what is most important. But some of you need to respond today. Some of you today, you're like, well, I, was, I mean, it's not Easter or anything, but, but I feel like God's drawing me to himself. And I would just say, if you sense that, he is. So perhaps today, as you have come to this place, and you feel like, man, I'm that guy, I'm that girl, my heart has been pierced, I'm broken Today, would, would you surrender to that and follow Christ? Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, as we look at this powerful truth of Palm Sunday, God, I don't understand why Luke helped us understand more of who your son Jesus is, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful to know that my Savior, when he entered the city in the midst of celebration, God, he wept Because he saw the reality of what the people needed. Lord, some of us this morning come to this place and and we're hurt and we weep and we don't have all the answers. Oh, but Heavenly Father, thank you that we can turn to you and trust in you. So God, this morning, uh, those who are here, those, those who have never ever surrendered their life to you, God, those who have been thinking about it for a while, God, may this be their day of salvation, the day where they say, this is the day I'm putting my trust in God. I don't have it all figured out. I know I don't have all my stuff together, but that's what the gospel is. God, thank you that you forgive us. God, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you that what happened on the cross, God solves and redeems all of our problems. Lord, we love you. We want to be obedient to you, and we want to have the right perspective on this week as we prepare for Holy Week, for Good Friday, and for Resurrection Sunday. God, show us all of who you are. Let us trust you and follow you now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here are some really simple and clear directions as we have a response time today. If God is drawing you to himself, don't ignore it anymore, but embrace it. Embrace it. Well, how do you embrace it? Two or three ways. If you really don't know who you could talk to about this, we're going to have some people over on this wall. They're already there. And you move from your seat during the song and just say, hey, let's talk about this. Help me understand what it means to follow Christ. Some of you, you would like for someone just to pray with you today. I invite you during this time, get up from your seat, move over there. Our folks would love to pray with you. Some of you, there's somebody in the room today that really cares about you. They, they really do. Maybe they invited you to church Maybe you've been their friend a long time. Maybe you're related to them. And you know know what they think of Jesus. And you've seen Jesus change their life. So for you, that's where the conversation can begin. And it can begin now. It can begin today. So you be obedient to what the Lord is calling you to do. Let's stand up together. We're going to celebrate and we're going to respond to what God calls us to do this day. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.